Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeremy Kubitschek, as always here. I'm with Steve Cockrum, my partner across the pond. How are you, brother? Oh, hi, Jez. I am well, although we are in the middle of the English heat wave, which to Americans will sound like no temperature whatsoever, but it's going to be 30 degrees on Saturday. So everyone's gearing up basically for the entire country to shut down, nobody to sleep, all those sorts of things. So Brit's complaining about Again, the Again, translating... Translating 30 <laughs> degrees Celsius is 120 degrees Fahrenheit. No, that's no it's 80. It's a bit more than that. It's probably about high 80s, which for us is like ready for the whole country to come to a standstill. So, you know, um, if I'm not at my scintillating best, it's because I've got heat stroke. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, it's um, it, it's been crazy here, just storms. And, you know, we've had all types of we had we had a windstorm that hit Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was a hundred mile an hour winds and wow. literally the power has been out for a week in the city for one week. Mm. Just, it just completely shut everything down. But um, man, we have had so much happening. And for all of you listening from around the world, we're so thankful for you. We're going to dive in. We've got a special guest today. We're super excited about. We've got some really good conversation. I think we'll be encouraging around summer and rest but steve you've been busy i've been busy what do you what have you been doing well around hospitality you've had so many people yeah it's kind of um obviously covid locked everyone out of england and us out of america so it's been it's been an incredible joy really we've had we've had a lot of visitors and americans don't tend to come for a weekend they tend to come for a week if they fly across the pond so but please don't hear that i i think it's been um, an utter joy to have people in our new home. I know you and Kelly have been and Hunter and Justin and the gang. And then we have the pools over as well. But the, the difference, I think, is you, I think hospitality is a muscle. And I think that perhaps we got a little bit out of practice of how we do it. But I think that the, um, the power of opening your home to people, to clients. I mean, you've been doing this for years. I remember coming and staying in your home even when we'd never met before. There's something deeply profound of when you invite people into your personal space, you invite them into the place where uh, they engage with your family and where actually the hospitality. So in a sense, that's always more costly because you don't get to leave work and go home. But I think the return on that investment for, for us as leaders is always profound. It's always so meaningful. We had a couple of uh, barbecues and events while you were over. We invited the, the giants from around the UK and the number of people who've written just say thank you for opening your home, thank you for your hospitality. So I think hospitality is a is an old gift, a skill set. It's kind of mentioned in lots of places. I don't know what you think, but I don't think people are as good at it as they used to be. And I'm not quite sure whether that's because people are overwhelmed and they escape home to their Netflix series, or whether we've just mm -hmm. got out of the discipline of doing it, or whether homes aren't big enough. But there is something about hospitality which is quite profound. Thoughts? 
Yeah, I, th I think I think you're right. Actually, if you think about COVID and what people did, is it did shut down certain things, and it probably shut down mm. on some good things. Obligation. There's some some things that were all the <laughs> obligation was maybe taken away, but then to open it back up, we've noticed it. In in for those who don't know, we built a neighborhood, and then we've recently built um, a a venue, uh, an event center, wedding venue called the Farmstead. Which I'm, what's where I'm at now, and we're hosting people like crazy now, and in our home we have a meeting house, we have offices, we have here. So I think you're right, Steve. I think those who know how to do it well, it's the time to do it. And and again, mm -hmm. people so miss it and they long for it, but they don't want to feel obligated. So I think they have a shorter uh, obligation muscle. Um, and, and but they, that's true. They probably haven't been been uh, as good at hospitality. Well, um, speaking of, let's jump right into kind of our topic for today and kind of the aha for us. You know, it's summer, and you know the Brits will take what six months off. You'll take seven months off now. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. No, that's, uh, that's Americans the will take three days. <laughs> Only if they've been in work for at least a month, uh, three years, will they take a three days off, Jeremy, in America. You know that. <laughs> I had someone go the other day. He goes, hey, I'm taking a sabbatical, and I'd love your idea. He's an American. And he goes, I'd love some of your ideas on you know, what you've done really well. I'm like, so, yeah, where are you going and how long? And he goes, well, I'll be gone for a week. And I'm like, wait, hang on. It's a, you said a week? <laughs> And he goes, yeah, I'm taking like maybe 10 days. And I'm like, that, that's not a sabbatical. Like, that's just, that's a vacation. You're taking a vacation. Anyway. <laughs> no, it's funny. Uh, I mean, I think the thing is that the, the busier our lives become, the harder we find it to rest. And in a sense, the more essential real first gear, second gear recharge retreat is. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of research that's shown that for senior executives, a week is not actually long enough to even begin unwinding. It's usually in the second week that you begin to reach a place where you almost find yourself again. And I think, you know, you and I are very, very good the way we're wired. We can just keep going and going and going if we need to. Uh, but there comes a point when actually it's even i find it hard to really close things down in a way that in the old days it used to be quite easy it takes me longer because i'm almost more addicted to the 24/7 nature of communication and i think you know the more if i'm tired skills break down under pressure i'm more likely to stay connected to social media and answering emails in the morning and in the evening it's interesting how i watch that pattern as a sign almost of going Actually, I need to create a break because my personality, Pioneer Connector, just jumps on a treadmill and keeps going. And actually what happens is I think you become less productive and less strategic in my case. So this feels like a therapy session now, Jerry. I hope it's just not just me that's having this. Help me, Oguru. No, well, it, it, in the same way, like I am entering into this summer, I'm entering into July. And I told, uh, I've told everyone I'm taking July off from business as usual. Now, Americans usually don't take a month off. I am taking a good eight, nine days on a, on a trip to New York and Maine and all that with Kelly. But I'm, I'm really taking the month to reset. So I've canceled all my normal business as usual meetings yep. in order to change it up. 
And so sometimes yeah. it's just for me, I need to change up the monotony and the grind. That's right. That's right. And by doing that and like showing up and maybe go, hey, I'm going to take three hours and go read and mm. ponder without the pressure of having meetings. Yeah. So it's actually not me just unplugging to do nothing. It's I've got to be doing something in a different yep. way. So yeah. I think that goes back to know yourself to lead yourself. And sometimes if you're listening, sometimes you feel pressure because you see what other people have done. And you're like, well, I should do that, but mm. I don't even know how to do that. Well, maybe you shouldn't. It's really based on your personality, yeah. based on your wiring. What what makes you come alive? Right? Yeah. What's the recharge that's for you? And that's so, good. so anyway. There's a phrase, isn't it? It says a change is as good as a rest. And I do the same thing. So over here, we, we take really August, um, and I cancel all the all the normal meetings. No one can book anything in Calendly. It's not that I'm not doing anything. To your point, it's I, I do like the fact that what I do is I I prioritize different gears to the ones I prioritize most of the time. And I think that's a, for me a helpful way of saying it. So my predominant gear in the normal world I live in is fourth gear. You know, I'm I'm in meetings, I'm helping people, I'm answering emails, I'm I'm responding to things. And I quite like that. So let's don't feel sim four and three are my two favorites. It's not that I don't do the other gears in those times. What I try and do is in the season of August and either back end of July is to go to your point. How do I make one and two the priority gears and then three and four fit around them as needed? So my phrase for me is every uh, I'm happy to do every gear every day. That's not the same, by the way, for certain personalities. I know, you know Rich over here as a Pioneer Guardian needs absolute closure. He literally shuts the whole thing down, won't speak to anyone for two weeks. But for me, I go, I can do every gear every day quite comfortably, mm -hmm. but I switch the priority of what's my primary intention. So recharge and... Now, what season are you in? Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I think any of you listening, that this would be a great exercise to go, where are you this summer? What do you need right now? Um, you know, what what would um, what would help you renew your vision? What would help you recharge? It doesn't have to be uh, four weeks in Spain. I mean, that's not realistic for most people, right? Especially Americans when they have, they take a one week, maybe two weeks off in the summer, uh, maybe, right? Uh, and so therefore, it's like, well, even if you're not on vacation, you can change your schedule and go, hey, I'm going to make July. I'm going to change up my schedule for the month of July. So say that phrase again, Steve. You said, what did you say about change? So said sometimes change is as good as a rest. And the idea being is, I think the, the refocus of which gears are going to get the intentional versus what do I normally do? So you, to your point, you, I'm hearing you say, I'm really going to I'm really gonna take a different schedule. I'm going to take some time to read a book. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go deeper probably with some of the key relationships in my life. It's not, I'm not going to work or it's not, I'm not going to think about vision of the future. So we're not, we're creating principles, not laws. I think that's the key thing when we think about gears, but it's really interesting for you to go, what would a extended period where first and second year are the priority rather than the thing that you mm -hmm. ought to do because you're tired from work. Mm -hmm. I, I've got uh, six retreats that I'm <laughs> speaking or leading in Good the Lord. next seven days. 
And so, wow. and so I'm, go, I'm going out for a bang and they're all over the country. So I'm driving to different spots. I wonder why I couldn't book Giant One this week. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I start literally in 30 minutes. In 30 minutes when, wow. from here is when it all starts. But I know it. But, you know, the beauty is on the other side of it is yeah. June 30th is yeah. my last. And I, I literally start on Saturday, July 1st. I am into that mode. So I'm excited about it. But I look at it, there's nothing really different, except I've told <laughs> myself that yeah. it's going to be a change. So Did even you if you're... Go, Sorry, go on, you go. keep going. I'm, I'm going to say, even if, you're, if, even if you're, if you're basically going, look, I've got one vacation in the midst of July, uh, one week, but the entire month I'm treating it as if, as if it's a vacation because I'm treating it as change. So I've got change and rest built in yeah. and baked into the month of July. So that's it. my encouragement to any Americans listening. Um, <laughs> that you, you can at least do that. I love it. And the, the, the challenge just will be when people invite you to things or go to things or people want you and you have that responsibility, Gene, is to ask the question, is it mission critical? That's the question I always ask is to go, is somebody going to die? Is something going to happen to the business? Is something going to happen to a key client account that I just will cause stress? If the if it's not mission critical, I'm gonna I'm gonna punt it in your language, and I think that's the bit where that feels really good because in the end people begin to go, oh well, and so it'll be really fun at the end of our kind of time. <laughs> I'll wait to the end of your July. You wait to my end of August to actually ask the question, what came out of it? Because one of the things that usually happens in retreat is revelation comes in retreat. So most people get a clearer sense of. What do I want my future to be? What are going to be the priorities for the next year? Most of us work, I guess, with academic years if you have kids or whatever it is. But it's always the great time to ask, how was the last year? I know you do it at Christmas as well. And what are, what are going to be the priorities for me going into the new season, which for us in Britain is usually September with the start of schools. I guess you guys, it's with August because, you know, that that's when your schools go back. But I think that's a really great challenge to all the people who follow us to go, What's going to be intentionally different about your summer this year? Not, we're saying, not you got to have four weeks. We're saying, what does it mean to prioritize first and second year? What does it mean to have change? And what does it mean to actually come back into the next half year, as it were, recharge, refresh with a hopefully renewed sense of energy and vision for what's next? I love that. Good stuff. It's fun. Well, uh, friends, I'm super, we're super excited. We've got a special guest. You want to share who our guest is today? This is this is a personal favorite of mine, um, Ed Ampafar, who is the husband of Jazz Ampafar, who's been on our podcast before. But Ed is by far my favorite of the pair. Oh. Jazz never listened to our podcast, so she'll never know. Put it this way: if she ever does, I'll get a, I'll get a sting review on a text sometime soon. So this is just a test, Jazz, whether you're going to listen to your husband's podcast. But uh, Ed and Jazz have been dear personal friends of ours now for well, at least five years, I think, Ed really, and shared some adventures along the way. And truly, you are a man of such enormous integrity and wisdom. I I have the utmost admiration for you and for your family and the way that you have looked after Jazz, who is another very precious gift. But to people who don't know you, Ed, tell us a little bit about your story 
um, yeah. a bit about you. How did you kind of get to where you are today? And maybe some little bits of kind of the, your leadership story, some transformation on the way, but just give a bit of context, take the time, give people a chance to get to know you and where you're coming from. Oh, great. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Jeremy. And first of all, it's just really exciting to be be on this uh, podcast with you guys and get an, just an opportunity to share what you guys do. Um, so, yeah, my story, I mean, going so far back, I, I, I suppose I'll go as far back as I was a semi-professional footballer, um, which is probably the most significant place to start. Um, and I was very much involved in team and being part of a team and, you know, just really enjoyed connecting with people and make, but winning, making things happen. So I played football quite well, played into semi-pro. Then I, um, as I went to university, I started to look at what I would do after if I wasn't going to become a professional footballer. And I got into sports physiotherapy and started doing a little bit of that. Um, again, life changed and actually I said okay I'm in my mid-20s now entered the corporate world and spent 27 years plus in the corporate world ultimately working my way through up as you do in different companies all in med tech um, in that area but really enjoying and along the way in line with that leadership piece you know I was being led by many different leaders and then I started leading myself and actually after a while I started to realize say to myself there must be a formula to this because you'd, you'd bump into a really bad leader and they would affect your life in a really significant way. And they had so much power. And you're like, you know what? That's not really great. And then you'd have a really good, good great leader. And you think, really like what that he did or what she does. And, and then when I was actually leading people as well, I started to take the bits off that. But the question always came to me, guys, was this is so accidental. How, how are people's lives, precious journeys, careers, are at the whim of whether someone gets promoted into a leadership place or not. So it always bugged me. And one of the things um, I always share as well, in that journey, you're always being prodded and sort of like poked by one of these personality test things, whether it's strength finder or discs or whatever. And I, you know, and I was kind of into them at first, and then I would do them and think, so what? You're a fish or you're a frog. All right. Okay. So what am I doing with this? No difference was made. And it always felt like, I always felt there was just some secret thing going on. Once they found out who we were, they would be doing stuff behind the scenes. But then as I went through the organization, I realized nothing was done with that. It was just done so they'd have a bit of an idea. And I'm like, so I'm a fish. You told me I'm a fish and what? Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> it then started to make me feel, well, look, there must be some, and fast forward, well, we're 2020. So this is just before pandemic. And, and as Steve has mentioned, jazz is, one of those people, as we in our world, we know as a connector, meets a lot of people over time. And she met Steve and started waxing lyrical about how great he was and what you guys are doing in Giant. And I did the usual, okay, another person, this is great. Yep, okay, it'd be nice to get to Norman at some point. And you know what? A few months go by, COVID hits, and as you do. And, right, so I'm there now in the role that I was. I looked after half the world, so Eastern Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and Russia, and all that. I was traveling a lot every other week on a plane. And um, we're now in the pandemic, and I can't go anywhere. But I don't articulate this to anybody. I'm just going about my business, doing what I'm doing in the house and trying to survive like everyone else. Um, and then Steve calls me out of the blue, and we're on the phone chatting. And he literally then maps out exactly how I'm feeling and what's going to happen to me if I carry on doing what I'm doing. And, you know, the phrase reading your emails, this was more than reading my emails. This is reading my soul. And I'm thinking, what have you just done? And what do you do that you can work that out? And I haven't said a word. So 
that just woke me up to giant really and i thought to myself okay and steve obviously then went to explain what you guys do a bit more and i just thought this is the first time that i found something that is useful as a leader and that just woke me up and i thought you know what let's start walking this journey and that's in effect i suppose how how we started and i jumped on the boot camp and then started going through that so i don't know if it gives you a bit of background but that's that's great it's so good and so as a as a creative connector nurturer or an infp for those who speak that's been part of your what would be a couple of the things Ed, that have been the biggest eye openers for you in terms of I guess understanding the way you relate to other people and other people relate to you. Can you give a couple of examples where, you know, you're talking about actually what that personal transformation, that kind of change for you has been? Give us a couple of examples. Well, I think it came through via the insights. Um, as you, people who know me on my journey or spent time with me would make the mistake and say, I'm an extrovert or feel I'm an extrovert. I can do that. I'm very, you know, I walk into a room, there's a lot of energy. I'll, 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 I'll go with that energy. Um, However, what people didn't know is every time I'd be flown into Turkey to meet some really important people and so forth from dusk till dawn, I'd get back to my hotel room and just literally rock in the corner and think, <laughs> I, need to, I, need to, I need to pause. And what was happening, this is the aha moment. I realized by doing Giant and realizing that I'm a creative connector, being an introvert in that space means I need to recharge my battery. That was massive for me. It sounds really weird just to say how big it was, but it was. It meant that actually it gave me clarity. I wasn't going crazy. Why can't I continue spending time with people and being the energetic Ed that everybody knows? Um, So that was really, really, really big. That was definitely one of the big spaces. And then the other space for me was I'm really for people, always wanting to get the best out of people, wanting them to grow and wanting them to be the best they can. And but I think what, again, this journey w- with understanding the way I'm wired, it, that, again, all made, ste- all made sense. It's about people in the bigger picture, as in, are they going to grow themselves? And so initially when I uh, did Five Voices, I kind of thought I must be a nurturer. And, yeah, because I like people and making sure relational harmony and all that. But when I actually dug down and understood it more, I realized that actually, no, that's where the creative connector comes. I can spend time with people if they want to drive and have a bigger vision. If they don't, I lose a lot of kind of uh, energy very quickly. So those couple of insights were really, yeah, just helpful for me in my leadership, one of a better phrase. So, Ed, as, you, as you've been around Giant now for a while and you're doing this and you're, you're involved, uh, what's a favorite tool or, or a concept that you want to share? Is there anything that you have as your top one or two? Yeah, do you know what? There, there are, um, and I'll, I'll name a couple. The support challenge matrix for me, 100% revealing, so insightful. And I love to watch and see people when it's playing out. That is definitely one of those ones, my go-to. But if I'm, um, I'm kind of looking in what I use more and see the most power in the work that we do and what we're doing going forward and where society is going, it is the influence model. That trust piece, people truly understanding what it requires to, to have influence and create influence on others. Because the more, I mean, what we do now a lot is I spend a lot of time in working with CEOs and boards, which is fantastic. This is what, you know, the work of Giant has given me an access to. Um, but you can see it playing out, how people are losing influence along the way. Or leaders think, well, actually, do you know what? 
they should be doing it this way. What's wrong with why they're not listening? And it's actually they don't understand where they're breaking down that whole trust thing. So the influence model is 100% for me the, the one that's most powerful. I, I think that's so true. And, and, you know, it's so interesting. We, I think as, as humans and as leaders, that we spend so much time making the donuts, doing our reports, working on boards, all of this external stuff and very, very little time on knowing our people, understanding mm. strategically who we're about to meet with. Yes. Oh, they're a guardian. Mm. Oh, well, here's the, I need to make sure I do this, not that, right? And that, I mean, it's so simple when, when you break it down. It's almost like when it slows down and you can see what's really going on. And yet most people aren't taking the time to do the work to learn someone else's voice or to understand what other people's needs. So that's really good, Ed. Thanks for that. No, they're underestimating, just to add there as well, they're really underestimating the power there. You mentioned that it's simple. And I think what can happen over time is people get complacent because they think it's so simple. Oh, yes, I do that. And they, yes, I do understand them. They just got it. And it's like, well, actually, you're now blocking the potential of your organization or your company because reverting back to the simple would release so much more energy from those people, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's powerful. Very profound. Chase, you have another question for Ed? <laughs> no, I mean, I think you did. You kind of talked about uh, how he lives out and his story. Um, and so Ed, is there anything else that you, um, that you'd want to uh, share as a kind of last thought for us? I think there's there's an area where, um, uh, where in effect, that's like a hundred x thing is is playing out for me, and and I, I want initially wanted to think about oh it must be in our business and what we're doing, but actually it really started off at home with me and my son, um, my my three beautiful children, my middle son turns out to um, be a pioneer creative, but from young I've never understood him. I thought he's totally different to me, and I'm thinking, what is this? strange human how am I going to be a father to him in the way that he gets me because he's totally different but what was really powerful is using these lenses and having these tools meant that actually now I know he's wired that way our relationship has literally gone from here to there because I've stopped trying to but get him to be me basically and actually try and lead him in a way that he wants to be led and oh well I say lead him I'm learning so much along the way so much along the way it's uh it's a lesson for me and the journey for me it's fantastic i love it bro it's it's such a joy to watch you and you know that i love the fact that you, you vowed uh if you and jazz would never ever work together because it would end in divorce and actually to watch <laughs> the two of you actually really understand each other's superpowers and be actually really enjoying that i think that's another one of those places where it brings uh, a real joy in the depth relationships of my little uh, creative connector nurturer's life. So grateful for you um, as always. And I look forward to catching up soon. Brilliant. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for being with yeah, us, bro. Yeah. Good to see you. It's always encouraging to, to have amazing people. And if you're, if you're listening to this, we have uh, the, the journey of giant, the, the, the work of giant to do consulting, executive coaching, uh, to, to be an external, to really help, uh, companies, organizations, it's a personal journey. Like you have, you heard Ed, it actually is not just something that you learn as another shtick that you do in your work. It's actually a liberation process. It will affect your marriage. It will affect your kids. It will affect yourself. 
Yep. And then it will give you more influence to those you lead. So if you're interested, uh, check more out at giantworldwide.com. If you want to become a guide, um, this is the time. We have we add about 20, 30, 25 guides a, a month that join mm -hmm. uh, into the giant world. And it's easy and it's, it's efficient and it's inexpensive. And it actually uh, does a lot. So you can do it part-time, full-time, uh, or you can do it inside your organization. So... Stevie, the last words um, for us today on today's podcast. Yeah, I will. I mean, I, I think you know as well as I do that whenever we start teaching videos and kind of recording things, you, you, you work out what's your latest thing you're saying. One of the things I found myself saying a lot at the moment is leaders don't need a library. They need a toolkit. And that, that phrase means that just realizing that Giant has not come up with new wisdom that is not in the world. There's a phrase in Ecclesiastes say, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. What I've realized is that actually what we've done is we've taken the wisdom of all of the history, particularly those who, I guess, wrote for the industrial world. And it's not we've created brand new wisdom or insight for leaders. What we've done is we've actually codified that wisdom in a format of visual tools that actually works for the world that leaders are now leading in. And in a sense, I know that sounds relatively simple, but it's when somebody says, why giant over everything else? Like I was saying, you know, I did disc, I did whatever. Here's the thing, there's nothing bad about all those things. I mean, I can think of the, many of the gurus I still read from the late industrial age, their wisdom is amazing, but it's in a book. And the new yep. world doesn't need a library because they can't invest the time what they need is a toolkit which allows them to address the unique challenges they're dealing with today. And I think that was just one for me of just thinking, okay, that's probably why we keep being more sticky. It's not we have greater wisdom. It's we've actually codified it in a form that the new world is able to use. I don't know whether that's a final thought, but that's what I've been speaking on this week. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. No, my final thought kind of goes on what we were talking about um, earlier about rest and recharge and and changing schedules but you know the idea is you can't give what you don't possess and yeah. i know for instance that i uh when i'm alive when i am really really alive uh, spiritually mentally emotionally when i'm connected to my key partners and my wife and my then i'm alive i'm really good to be here. i can add a lot of value i can yeah. really help the organization when i'm not alive I can create stress. Therefore, yeah. if you are a person listening to this to go, what would it take for you to become the most alive? What needs to happen this summer for you to recharge, for yeah. you to actually be at your best so that you can give your best to other people? That's my charge. That's my encouragement to those listening. So great. Steve, it's always good to be together, man. Um, and thank for those you. listening, thanks for being good friends. And thanks for understanding what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise up liberators around the world. We're trying to change the way that people look and see leadership. And uh, it's a personal thing. And so with that, we wish you the best. And we'll see you next time.
If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubicek.com to learn more.